0: Amen. Father, we thank you that you're here today. We thank you, Father God, that uh, regardless of what happens and what is and what's going on, you are here. And uh, Lord, we just wait in your presence. We just praise you and thank you, Father God, that you do not change, that you're here today to touch and to heal and to change and to give us insight and to give us truth and correction and encouragement, whatever it is we need. So, Father, we just wait in your presence. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. just focus on you Father it's just us and you us as individuals and you You know, we come together on Sundays, and really, uh, it, we come together to meet with Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And, you know, and it's beautiful when God speaks through uh, each of us or one of us or some of us um, to try to speak to us uh, in ways that we understand, in ways that, uh, that guide us. But uh, it's just so important to take that time to just... Be in his presence. There doesn't have to be a lot of hoop-de-la. Just being in his presence. You know, we pray on a daily basis, hopefully. But Sunday, really, we should take some time. Like Sunday, at some point, we should take some time as a group of people and really just be in God's presence and uh, give him time to speak and to say whatever it is he wants to say. I was going to do a a talk today on money, but I'm not going to do it Obviously, uh, there's a lot of people away and um, and not here because uh, the uh, transit's not working and power's not working and all the rest of it. I'll ask for some reflections on the storm in a bit from you. Um, but uh, storms are interesting things. Like I was noticing it as it was decimating our two beautiful trees in our yard in Sambro, <laughs> um, and watching these great limbs be torn off, uh, I thought, well, you know, it lets you know what's weak. Storms let us know what's weak. Let's us, like my back door, um, because the wind was coming right from the east, right against our back door, and I just replaced a sill and thought I was, I did a pretty good job, except that I didn't slant it so that the water coming down on it would go, outside instead of inside, (laughs) so it was coming inside, Um, and we had to tarp up the whole door and everything during the storm, but it lets you know what's weak, and sometimes absolutely rips it away, and it's gone in the wind, it's just blown away, Um, sometimes it falls and does damage on other people, like the, the roof that went off downtown and landed on everybody's cars. Um, But you just look at it and you go, it really is, as I was watching it happen, uh, you know, I was down at the waterfront in Sambra watching the boats being smashed against the side of the dock and this one guy's beautiful sailboat just being, you know, just just crushed. Um, But storms let us know what's weak and storms in our life do the same thing. They let us know. Yeah, it does, because I noticed with Juan, when Juan went through 16 years ago, all the trees that, and our trees were pretty beat up then, but they were much stronger this time, even though the top limbs, of course, the tree's much bigger, um, but it took a, what was weak up there, and storms will do that in our life, and... Uh, We can say they're from God, they're not from God, they're from the enemy. Whatever we want to say, they come. Storms come. And we have to understand that even when you look at what happens in nature with all the trees that are destroyed and all this stuff, uh, God has a way of even recouping that. And it actually, like Willie said, it makes them stronger. The storm actually makes them stronger. And it gets rid of that stuff that is weak. It lets you know what needs to be fixed, like my back door. It lets you know what needs to be fixed in your life. And it's actually, if we could look at it properly, it's actually a gift to us. Storms are actually a gift. Most of us try to run for cover uh, in storms, and, and that's good. But there is a point where you have to face it, where you can't get away from it. And you just have to hunker down, and you just have to let it go through and do whatever it's going to do, Right? And there's a wonderful sense of having to let go because Sandra is my wife is panicking because of the trees, going. I think I could have blown away, but the tree, that was a bigger <laughs> that was a bigger issue. And I, but there's a point where you have to let go. You have to let go. You have to let go of what the storms of life are getting out of your life and are taking out of your life and maybe showing you about our lives. And we have to be willing in the middle of the storm when we see all this stuff happening that we just don't understand. And I'm using the metaphor of the storm yesterday, but also the storms that come in our lives, the things that happen to us, the difficulties, the struggles, the mishaps. There is a point where you have to just hunker down and trust that God is in control doesn't matter what trees are coming down in your life. It doesn't matter what branches are being strewn. It doesn't matter that all that you may have worked for is suddenly being destroyed. God has a way of working through that, and there is a divine purpose somewhere in it. I do not believe that Hurricane Dorian came up the coast and hit Nova Scotia without God knowing about it. I think he knew about it. And in some strange way in that mysterious way that God is in all things and through all things, that he is in that experience. We have a hard time because we're mortal. We're here on the earth. We don't understand all the spiritual things. We only see so little. Like God only allows us to see, even in his word, he's left us very little to work with. Basically, the Jews, when they had their first conference when the New Testament was starting to be written and all these new converts were coming in from the Gentile faith, they had to have some kind of a meeting to say, what do we teach them? What do we say to them? The great profound thing was take care of the poor, stay away from sexual immorality, and don't eat food with blood in it, which would, because it was upsetting the Jews, and the Jews were getting all freaked out about this. So they were worried that was going to happen. That was the mandate coming out of that conference. Of these great men of God, that's it. The simplicity of it right there. And God didn't give us a lot of information and a lot of insight into what happens in our life sometimes. He relegates an awful lot of what happens in our life to us standing in faith. And he will absolutely be silent and not say anything because he's teaching us how to trust and he's teaching us how to have faith. It's very hard to watch your tree blow away or your roof blow away or whatever it is in your life that seems to be blowing away. It's very hard to sit and watch that. We want some answers. We want some help. We want it fixed. We want it. But there's something about God that He will allow us to sit in a situation because it's teaching us something more than what we're losing. It's showing us, I tell you, you and I will never like trust and faith. We're just, we're not, our nature will fight against walking in trust and in faith. We are beings that like to know where everything is, how everything is, what's going to happen. I mean, who wouldn't want to know those things? But the real free people in life, the real free people, the people who are living full lives are the people who walk in faith and trust that no matter what, God's going to work something out here Something's going to come through this. It's going to work out okay. So we don't need to fear the storm. Jesus asleep. When I was down in the harbor, at Sanbro Harbor yesterday, and I mean, it was blowing. And the jetties where all the boats, the sailboats had been, are just flying out of the water. It was just, it was really violent. And I said, that is the kind of storm that Peter and all the boys were in. When Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. And there's something about, first of all, him being able to stand up and calm the storm. And I was standing there and I was thinking, God, I I would love to see you stand and just say, be quiet and see all this stop. That must have been a powerful thing for them to see. I mean, imagine standing out in what was happening yesterday and standing there and say, be still. And the whole thing just goes quiet. That would be a life-changing experience for those guys in that boat. That's why they said, holy cow, this guy can even stop the weather. And it was a storm bad enough that they thought they were going to die. It's funny, when the eye went over Sambro yesterday, I took pictures of it and I sent it to some friends in Ontario because all of a sudden the sun came out in Sambro. And we're staying there and it was quiet, dead quiet. Nothing, the birds started to sing a bit. And then all of a sudden the wind came around the other way. And you get those little respites in life. (laughs) You get those little times where things go okay. And you're kind of in the eye of the storm. And those times where you really focus on God. And you're really able to comprehend that God's with you. Those are wonderful times. Those are precious times. I think that's what church is all about. I think that's what our daily prayer time is about. I think that's what reading scripture is about. It's about us realizing that God is with us. Regardless of what our situation in life is. And then all of a sudden, what happens? The wind comes from the other direction. That's what happens with a hurricane. It comes back around the other direction. And all of a sudden, life will come around and hit us in another direction. But in the midst of it, God is the God of the storm, the same way He is the God of the eye that is, has the sun shining on you and everything's still and the birds singing. It's the same God. So the storms really teach us something. It teaches us about faith it teaches us about trust it allows us to let go of stuff that maybe is excess in our life maybe we don't need it maybe it's actually something that's detrimental and god's sending a storm through our life to get it out of our life because it's because with trees what happens what's actually happening is the tree is saying i can't handle this much wind i have to let go of something so it just breaks off. The, now, the tree doesn't break off the branch. But nonetheless, the tree just says, there's too much. I'm carrying too much branch here, too much leaf, leaves, too much. And it just breaks off. And sometimes life has a funny way of coming along and showing us that we're carrying some stuff maybe we shouldn't carry. We're concerned about things maybe we shouldn't be concerned about. We are holding on to something that maybe we shouldn't be holding on to. That's actually weighing us down and it's catching life. It's, it's stopping life. And the storm comes along and lets it go. And we may not understand what's happening, but God understands. The adversity that there's not, no one in this room who has not walked or is walking in adversity. Some, at some point of our lives, each of you could stand up and talk about walking in an adversity that you never thought was going to come. You never thought it would happen to you. But yet, it did. And here you are. Some may be walking through it right now. A sudden illness. A sudden event. Your body all of a sudden, like, you know, your blood pressure goes crazy like we had to happen this week to someone or, or whatever it might hap- be. You go, Father, what am I going to do in this storm? Am I going to stand in the window and, and fret and be upset because the tree is blown away? Or am I going to sit down and go to sleep like Jesus did and say, I'm trusting you, Father, and I'm going to believe that what, even if it's the enemy, what the enemy is meant for bad, God will use for good. So the, the storms of life really teach us something. And the main thing, again, is not to hold, be so precious about life and precious about what we have and what we own and what we think is so important. God knows what's important, and he'll take from us what isn't, and he'll give to us what is. He'll do that. The other thing I noticed, you guys may have seen it Friday and through Saturday, the panic in the stores. And I'm standing outside the dollar store. They're not taking customers anymore because it's pandemonium, people trying to get flashlights and, uh, and batteries. And uh, a thought went through my head through my mind and said, this is the tip of the iceberg. Get used to this. This is what it will look like when stuff starts breaking down. I don't want to be doomsday. I'm not an end times guy. I'm not apocalyptic. Uh, Mind you, the scripture is very, very real that this This world is going down, that it is not going to rebound at some point and turn into Shangri-La again. It's not going to do that. We're not going to all of a sudden turn to the 1950s when the economy was great and the world was prospering and everything was supposedly wonderful, even though come to find out it really wasn't. But the fact is, this world as we know it is coming to an end. And we're seeing it in bits and pieces as as I'm standing there seeing people run out of Canadian tire with gas cans and chainsaws and whatever else they could grab to survive. I'm thinking, wow, this is just a little bit of a a foresign of what it's going to be like. And it said, who you trust in. Who you trust, and what are you going to do when Canadian Tires closed, when the dollar store's closed, when the superstore's closed? What are we going to do? And it is uh, a valid question, and there's all kinds of ways to answer it. But in the end, my trust is in God, my trust is in the Lord. And if I'm going to get swept away in a flood, then I know where I'm going. I'm going to see Jesus. If I don't get swept away, that means God has some reason for me being here. And most often it's to help somebody else. It's to be an encouragement to somebody else. So storms, they're wonderful reminders of how fragile we really are and how fragile our existence is. Uh, Like, I don't know, how many didn't have a phone service this morning, had no cell phone? Well, there's a shocker. And what are all the kids that are standing like this with their phones all day, what are they going to do? Can you imagine the withdrawal this morning? But it lets us know where our trust is. It lets us know what we're carrying in life. Is it too much? Are we carrying too much? And are we willing to let go of what God wants to, in some cases, rip out of our lives? God wants to make changes in our lives. There's not a day in your life and there's not a day in my life where God doesn't want to bring change. He is, he is absolutely, I believe, obsessed with us moving and completing the work that he began in us in Christ Jesus in becoming more like Christ. And I, I don't know about you, but in the most case, most people will not change for the better until a calamity happens. You don't see many addicts getting free just because they went down the road someday and said, what a beautiful flower. I think I'll live free from drugs now. That's not usually the way it happens. Or a criminal who is doing whatever he's doing. It's usually not those situations. They have to go through some kind of a very hard and difficult tearing away in their life before they make the decision. We make the decisions to change. And God is saying that he wants us to change. Not because he doesn't like us, not because we're bad, terrible, sinful people. It's because he has so much more for us. And what it is he wants us to change? Well, that's individual between all of us. And uh, it could be any number of things. But God is always about change. And what we have to do is make sure that we don't hold on to things too strongly. By, you know what I mean when I say don't be precious? Don't hold things too close. Because then they become idols. We have to sometimes let the branch of the tree just blow away. And go, well, I didn't really need it anyway. It was nice to have, but I didn't really need it. Uh, So God has a way of sending these storms into our life. Which cause us to know what's important. Causes us to let go of what isn't. And causes us to find out what and who it is that we trust in our life. Because Jesus said he will never leave us nor forsake us, whether Canadian Tire is open or not, that Jesus will not leave us nor forsake us. So it's a wonderful thing to know. And, uh, you know, there's some people waking up to some stuff this morning, but you know what? It wasn't that bad, really. All told, Some people got some trees on their house and trees on their cars, but nothing like Juan. Um, and it, it went uh, by pretty quickly and, you know, so we're fortunate, but do you guys have any I, any thoughts on the storm? Yes, it's true, isn't it? You know, in the middle of it, Daniel Daniel was really concerned. He was praying. I mean, he was really concerned about what was happening, and in the middle of it, God sends an angel. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he's you know shedding blood because he's in such anguish, sent an angel to comfort him. Did the same thing. When he was going through the desert, God, it's no joking matter, really. Not that we're joking, but it is no joking matter about angels. Angels are real. Angels have a very, very specific job in your life. And if you really have not uh, understood that and facilitated that and used that, the, most, a lot of my prayer, I am directing angels because they're not there to do their bidding. They're there to do the Lord's bidding through us. Um, so the way it works is you're praying and you're hopefully hearing God. You're praying in agreement with what God is wanting to do. Then that sends angels out. That's, it's, they actually, like I have full belief that that happens. I talk all the time and, com- and uh, direct angels uh, to do things and stuff. And if I'm crazy, then I guess I'm crazy. But uh, I really believe that the Bible gives us evidence that angels are there, and they are ministering angel or entities for us. That's why they're here. And actually, in one piece of scripture, it uh, refers—I forget the context—but it says your angel. So everybody has an angel. Um, Anyway, anybody else about storm, Bill? Yeah, it's um, it's true. Uh, the Bible is full of examples where people of faith rose to spectacular behavior in the midst of spectacular difficulty. And because of it, God was given real glory. And, I mean, we could do the history on it. There's so many Christians in the last 2,000 years that have risen above difficult circumstances in astounding shows of grace and mercy and trust and faith. And the world notices. The, the world really does notice. And uh, we do. We, we should not be a people that go to pieces. I know sometimes we do. <laughs> I think everyone in this room is at a point where they thought, I don't know if I can really do this, or you're just about to lose it. But we are not a people that should go to pieces. We should always have that core center that says, though I don't understand, though I don't see, though I don't comprehend, I trust. I am trusting God. And, uh, and it gives us something to hold on to. That really people that don't have faith don't have that. I couldn't imagine it. I could not imagine going through life without having the sense that God is with you. There's something more powerful than what we're, we're experiencing. And that God is above it and beyond it, and you can trust I don't know. I I couldn't imagine it. Anybody else? Yes. Yeah, there's something. There's an energy that is released. I mean, if we could see right now, which we cannot, but if we could see the molecular level, the subatomic level, like that's a chair, right? That's a chair. But in actuality, it's a conglomeration of atoms and molecules. And... Between atoms, there's neutrons, inside atoms, neutrons, protons, and all those kinds of things. There's space, right? There's space. So if you could see the subatomic level, you'd be able to see right through that chair. You would just see that the gathering of atoms and molecules and all that stuff would be more dense right there than it is right here. It would be more dense. But you could still go through it. If you were at the subatomic level also, you'd be able to go right through that. That's why Jesus could walk through a wall. Because everything is actually porous. And everything is just energy. That's what it is. It's energy. Um, And I know that's a little bit hard. I don't totally understand it. I believe it, but I don't totally understand it. Because actually Jesus said that God is not flesh and blood. And another piece of scripture refers to God as being unapproachable light. Well, what is light? Light is energy. Uh, so God the Father has no form; He has essence, and that essence is in you and it's in me through Christ. Christ came to give us that, and it operates through us by the Holy Spirit, which is also essence. It's energy. You've all had the experience where you felt the Holy Spirit, right? You felt it; you didn't see Him, but you felt it, because that it's energy. It's an act- it has matter, but it's subatomic. So it's, it's very mystical and it's very interesting. But we, if we're able to see the way God sees, oh my. Right? But there's energy. There's energy when you speak. Um, you were going to say something? Yes. Yes. I mean, <coughs> placebos. And we've talked about this before. Placebos work. People have gotten better taking a sugar pill but they thought it was a it was medication doesn't work all the time but it does work what is that that is faith Jesus said to uh, people at various times he said your faith has healed you there's other times where obviously the dead guy that was coming out of the city out of Cain and Jesus went over and prayed for him well it wasn't his faith that was Jesus's faith obviously But there is something to be said. Now, that's just from thinking that the medication is going to do something for you. Imagine if you're speaking it. It will change things. Like Bill said, it may not change everything, but I'll tell you, it does change some things. And I would rather go through life speaking positive outcome for my life, my family, my church, my city, my employer, my government, whatever it is, I would rather be releasing that energy out into the world than sitting around uh, complaining. I mean, how do you feel when you listen to the news after five minutes? How does that do for us, right? You want to jump off a bridge. Yeah, so there's obviously power in the positive response that we have about life. And uh, God is a very positive guy. They came up, the guy came up to Jesus and said, if you're willing, will you heal me? It always touches me. From the first time I read it when I was a 20-year-old Christian to the other day when I read it, it still touched me. Jesus looked down at him and said, I am willing. And I don't think there's a circumstance in our life where God is not willing to do something good and to uh, bring us up and to elevate us. We can be elevated by being demoted, We can be. We just have to trust that God's working something in us that we're not aware of yet. We're just not aware of it yet. But God's always working for our better. Uh, There is a book called The Alchemist, and it is the number... I I may have told you this before. That's a problem with speaking. You don't know what you've already said. So people are going, he's not saying that again, is he? But The Alchemist, number one book of the century, of the last century, uh, right up to the 2000s. And uh, still, a huge, huge, huge book. It's the most translated book of literature in modern times, The Alchemist. The guy who wrote it was in a mental institution three times before he wrote the book. Twice his parents put him in there. The second, third time he went in himself. But he was sitting in the mental institution and he was saying, when am I going to get out of this place and write the book of the century with the thought of the century in it? He got out, of, got out of there, and he always said this is what he was going to do. He gets out, he writes The Alchemist. Nobody wants it. Everyone thinks it's garbage. No publisher will touch it. All of a sudden, low publisher gets a hold of it, publishes the thing, and it is turned into what I said the most important one, of the most important books of literature of the last 100 years. And what is the message of that book? The message is that the universe, he calls it the universe, if you talk to, have heard interviews with him, he's quite old now, he's in his 90s, but uh, refer to God. Um, the universe is working so that you can become everything you were meant to become. And he said, there is a force in the earth that is working so that you will become everything you're supposed to be. And sometimes going to jail will facilitate that. Sometimes getting an illness will facilitate that because it's changing points of view. It's changing the way we're living. It's nothing like a little bit of cancer to stop someone from smoking. Hard way to learn. Um... Or whatever the issue may be. But there is a force in nature that is pushing you and I towards what it is that we are supposed to be. And I think, of course, we know it as God. God said it to repeat it again. I will finish the good work that I have begun in you in Christ Jesus. There is a work that God is working in you and I. And he has a whole arsenal of tools in order to bring about You and I understanding what it is he's trying to say. Sometimes it takes us years because we are quite daft. We really are. We're a broken species, and we've had a long time to perfect our brokenness. But God is in the middle of it and pushing through, and sometimes he has to use really strong language to get us to understand you are going in the wrong direction. It's amazing how we will persist in the wrong direction. But the beautiful thing about it is there is a force and we need to get in agreement with that force. We know who it is. It's not the universe. What's the universe? A bunch of dead planets. It's God Almighty who is in all, through all, created everything out of his own mind when he spoke it. He spoke it into existence. So... You know, if you, Willie, and me, and whoever else was talking to this storm and Verna telling it to go away, I don't know. Did it do anything? Well, the storm wasn't as bad. Uh, I'll take that. But uh, nonetheless, let's speak to the storm. Maybe it'll pass. If we're in this storm, lay down, put our head on the lap of Jesus, and go to sleep and know that we can trust him in the storm, and he will take care of us at the end of the storm. God will do that. Uh, and what's beautiful, and I'll finish with this. When they finished, got out of that storm, they insta- it said they were instantly at the shore. There's some reason they said instantly, because it must have been odd. It's almost like they, it, Jesus just moved them uh, to the shore, and they were immediately into ministry. The Gadarene demoniac, the guy who had the demons, came down screaming for help in front of Jesus. And Jesus delivered him. One of the great releasing of the captives in the Bible. Uh, It brings me to tears all the time when I I read that. I just, wow. That man was out of his mind. And Jesus, with a word, healed him, delivered him, and he was in his sound mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. If that isn't a picture of what we all want. So, anyone else before we... Go to the offering. You want, everyone okay? Sure. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, those old hymns. Let go, like if that hymn that we did, and if you listen to the old hymns, they're all about this world not being of of eternal value. Yeah. It it, it really those old hymns and stuff are all about letting that go. Let it go. And they're visualizing eternity. They're visualizing heaven. And, you know, we used to complain about that about 50 years ago, 40 years ago, in the faith, they'd say, yeah, it's so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. But there's something to that because in our culture now, especially in the church, it's all about having this life, a good life, God giving you the good job, God giving you the good house, God giving you the good existence, And we have gone from, I I read this in a book the other day. It was beautiful. He said, we have gone from a culture 100 years, 50, 70, 80 years ago that the priest, meaning the minister of your community or the church you go to, was the person who gave you advice. Now it's therapists. Everyone has switched to a therapist. Therapists are the new clergy of our culture. Now, listen, I'm all about therapists. I've gone through a lot of therapy, and they're great, and it works if you've got a good one. Some of them are baked, but, but some are good. And, but they do not, every time I went into a therapy session, I would pray before I went in and I said, Father, let me hear your voice through what they're saying. Um, and, you know, and you take what's good, and you throw away the rest. But it's it's interesting how those hymns were written in a time where this world was not something to be h- held onto, but now our culture is all about holding on to life and having that good life. Um, and what is a good life? Is it money? Is it houses that roofs blow off of and cars that trees fall on? And like I, I don't know. I think I think a good life is being able to wake up in the morning and wanting to be here. And, and facing the difficulties of life and knowing that there's a God with you in it. That's a good life. Yeah. That I, is, we are far better off than we really may understand. Yes. And yes, that's right. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, well, that's beautiful, Heather. Yeah. You, you gave a beautiful example. The Garden of Eden, there's Adam and Eve. That's what God thought best life was. Surrounded by beauty, in love, in unity with another person, and in unity with God. Intimacy with God. Yes, intimacy. Yeah. That's it, Willie. Intimacy. Yeah. It's having that, which is the theme of this church. And it's the theme of what we're trying to create in Mosaic and have been since November, is trying to create intimacy relationship between us as individuals, not as a church, but as individuals with Jesus. Yeah. Um, so, and uh, God's doing good things. So.